paying too much for health insurance? Frustrated by high deductibles, network restrictions, and increasing premiums? There's a better way. Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM is a Christian community delivering a robust, faith based solution to the high cost of healthcare. If your current health insurance has become more of a racket than a remedy, take back control of your healthcare at around half the price. Learn more and enroll today at chministries.org. That's chministries.org. I'm Maria Bartiromo. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Tammy Bruce. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, May 19th, 2022. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. We are in the thick of primary season ahead of fall midterms, and one of the next races is in Georgia, where a controversial, popular, Trump-backed former NFL player is probably going to win the Republican Senate primary. But with his past, can he beat the Democrat in November? I didn't get into this race because I felt I couldn't win it. When I got into this race, I said, I got in this race to beat Raphael Warnock. And I want my opponents to realize that I'm not putting them down, but I know they can't beat it. We speak with Senate candidate Herschel Walker. I'm Dave Anthony. NATO may soon expand. Finland and Sweden now want to join the military alliance. It's really a seismic shift in uh, European security brought about by Vladimir Putin's barbaric invasion of Ukraine. And I'm Jimmy Fallon. I've got the final word on the Fox News rundown. U.S. Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker in Georgia has soaring poll numbers. The latest Fox News poll has him leading his closest GOP challenger by 58 points. And he's got the backing of former President Trump. I'd watch him in college. I'd watch him carry that ball. But, you know, I think he'd do just as well as a senator or a governor. We're going to have to start talking to him about that. But one of Walker's most vocal opponents, Agriculture Commissioner Gary Black, has railed against Walker's campaign, his refusal to debate, as well as his past. Allegations of domestic abuse. His now ex-wife got a restraining order against him. She said Walker put a gun to her head and threatened her life. Two other women have made abuse allegations, though Walker's campaign denied one of them was true. Still, Black has gone on offense, asking voters if this is really who they want a senator. These facts from his past would crush him in November. Republican voters want to love Herschel, the candidate, because they, like me, love Herschel, the football hero. But this is not a game. Walker has talked about his struggles with mental illness before. He wrote a book about it, released in 2008, and recalls in it feeling violent at times. He was diagnosed with disassociative identity disorder, he says, and has sought treatment. And while Walker's opponents may be questioning him, a number of Republican senators like Ted Cruz, Lindsey Graham, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, and others have joined Trump in endorsing Walker. Well, I got confidence not just because he bite me. I got confidence because when I entered the race, I entered the race because I wanted him to help make a change. Herschel Walker is a former NFL player and current Georgia Republican Senate candidate. Uh, It had nothing to do with President Trump. I'm so honored that President Trump endorsed me. But at the same time, I knew I had to do the work. And that's why I told all the people since I've been going around the state of Georgia, guys, I love President Trump. You know, he and I have been friends since 1983. We're not just friends, we're family friends. His family and my family, we eat together, we do things together. But at the same time, I have to run this race. The people of Georgia got to know I'm running this race and I'm doing the work. But his endorsement, no doubt, plays a huge, huge role. So people know that 
the president of the United States has endorsed me, but I've also got a lot of other people that have endorsed me as well because they know I'm the right man for this for this job right now. Yeah, why did you decide to get into politics, and why go after a Senate seat on your first try, right? You haven't held public office before. Why now, and, and why the Senate? Well, why not? You know, you see what's going on in this country. You see that we've elected people to office that have forgotten about the reason they went, and that's representing the people. They've forgotten about putting this country first. We seem to be putting this country second. And when America's lead, that's when the whole world is doing well. But right now, America is not the leader anymore because we've forgotten to get behind our military. You know, you saw what happened in Afghanistan. And I, I said, we can't live like that. One thing that we were built on is a foundation of responsibility. But we put people in office now that have become either a Democrat or a Republican. The problem we have to do now is serve the people. And I think that's what people know that I would do because people mean so much to me. The whole United States is my family. The state of Georgia is my first cousin. So I'm going to take care of my family because right now they're hurting with this economy the way it is, the crime the way it is, and we can't continue to live like this. Talk to me about inflation because it is the, I think, one of the biggest drivers in the polls when it comes to issues. Um, It's not just a little inflation, right? It's a lot. It's outpacing wages. When you think about maybe some short-term solutions to easing some of this, what comes to mind? I know some others have talked about gas tax holidays, but what what are you thinking about? Well, you know, first of all, they need to drop this gas tax. Because you, if you talk about the gas tax, yeah, they're going to give you a gas tax, but the gas tax is going to go to the barrel. It's not going to go back down to the customer. And a gas tax, when they're going to give you maybe 20 cents, but yet they've already taken $2.30 out of your pocket. So you're still down. I think the thing that we need to really start talking about is if we can become energy independent again. And what I mean by that is if we can start drilling on our federal land. We're one of the most environmental drilling in the world today, but yet we're asking now our dictators to give us gas and oil. You know, that's not fair when yet people are hurting, they're scared. You know, I'm from rural Georgia. And I said, God, people live paycheck to paycheck. Right now to pay $100 for gas when you got to go to work and they're only going to take you to work maybe for three days and then you got to pay another $100, then you got to buy groceries, and then you got to save money for your rent. You know, right now people are really hurting and we cannot continue to live like that. When yet the things are there that we can get done. We can get it done if we get energy independent again. We can get it done if we get rid of these regulations. And one of the most important things we need to do is quit fighting among each other. That's what they seem to be wanting to do. The left seem to want to continue to have us fighting among each other rather than coming together, serving the people, the one that puts you in the office to do. Herschel, I want to ask you some more sensitive questions because I understand that you would, as senator, want to focus on mental health due to your own mental health. At least that's what I've read. Um, I've also read that you've struggled with what is known as um, disassociative identity disorder. Please correct me if that's inaccurate. No, what, that's correct. What do you want to do as a lawmaker on the mental health front? Well, I'm going to be a champion for mental health. I think people see right now the problem they are having with mental health because people don't understand it. These are sensitive subjects that people sort of run away from. They don't want to address it because they don't understand it. Well, you know, I've dealt with mental health. You know, I've dealt with it. I wrote a book about it. I've been working in the mental health field for over 15 years now. I continue to help people, and I think now – to bring it to the forefront, to get it out there and start talking about it, can help a lot of people that's been hiding, people that are ashamed, because you watch so many movies that put mental health as something very evil, very bad. 
But those people that are out there that can help you to get better, help you to feel better, help you to do better. And I want people to know that. I want them to know that they can come out of the shadows and know that they can be healed just like anything else can be healed. For many, mental health, though, is a lifelong struggle. I think it's a lifelong struggle because people don't even address it. So people sit back and they don't do anything about it because they don't understand it. You know, one of the things I've been learning is I was going around my listening sessions all over the state of Georgia. You know, I go into a police department or a medical field, and they say one of the biggest problems they're having is mental health. We're not equipped for it. We're not trained for it. Well, there are people that are out there trained to do that. Well, yet we've taken money out of those places. But there are places out there that can help people, and I think that's what we got to do is put money and put resources in those fields that can get people help. But it's just like anything else. Some people can be helped. Some people can't. And I said, guys, that's the way life is. You know, some people are going to do the good thing. Some people may not do the good thing. But yet they can get ease in their life where they can function and have a productive life. Yeah, your opponents have said that your past you disqualify you essentially as a candidate. The interactions with police, the allegations of domestic violence. I imagine you would say your past is not disqualifying or you wouldn't be running but what do you say to, you know, the critics now who, who bring that, that up? Well, you know what I say to them is you see that they're losing. So they're saying anything to try to win. They want me to bring them to the forefront. Well, that's something I'm not going to do. If they don't want to address mental health, they don't have to. I've addressed it and I moved on and that's the reason I moved forward. I told people I'm a warrior for Christ right now. I'm a warrior for God. Right now, what's happening in this country is sad. What's happening in this country, I can go out there and I know I can win this Senate seat, and I can go into Washington and fight the way you should fight for this country and not just complain. One thing about me, you'll, ne- you'll learn, Herschel Walker never complains. I go out and get the job done. When I had a problem, I sit down and I addressed it. I got it done. And since then, my life has blown and blossomed from there. So I want everyone that's struggling to know that when you get up, you're going to get knocked down, but you get back up because you're blessed by Jesus Christ and he holds you in his hand, but you got to believe in it. you got to have faith and don't worry about what other people say. My opponents haven't done the work. I think people see it in the polls. They haven't done the work. I'm doing the work. I'm out there meeting people. People now voting for me. People, they voted in the early voting, and now people have me to fundraise. They're doing all those things that's going to put me in that Senate seat, and everyone is running. They're nervous because they know I'm coming. And I told them, I said, guys, Right now, we have to get in there and change for our kids and next generation, and that's what I'm doing. Herschel, you wrote, though, in your book about some of the feelings and thoughts that you had at the time, um, feelings of violence. Did you heal that? How, how did you oh, heal that? Like, you, do you, always, still seek- you always heal that. Through the, through the grace of God, you always heal that. And that's why I tell people right now, if you don't believe in Jesus, you may never think you can heal. You know, I believed in Jesus a long time. And as I said... I wrote that I don't know how many years ago, and that's been in the past. I moved on, but I said I'm a champion for mental health, and I, I do not stand away from it. I address it. I can address it today, but I also tell people all the time, I'm like, guys, you got to move on. You got to believe in Jesus. You got to get up and move. I believe in Jesus. I'm not asking anyone else to do it, but what I do ask you to do, fall back on your faith. No matter whatever happens, fall back on your faith and get up. Keep moving forward because they're going to keep trying to get you down, but you can't stay down. You are among a handful of candidates who often decline to debate. I know the winner of the Republican Senate primary in North Carolina, Ted Budd, has declined. Mike Durant in Alabama. You all were or are considered frontrunners. Is this part of a strategy like, hey, I'm the frontrunner. Why would I risk making myself vulnerable in a debate? Or is it something else? Well, it was kind of strange because every debate, and I've heard a governor debate first, 
and there was a certain amount of points you had to be at to even be considered to be in the debate. You had to be at least above either 10 or 12. My opponents are at 7 and 6, meant that they're not even qualified to be in a debate. And then the next thing they were told me, you have to be able to raise money. You got to be able to attract the crowd. Herschel Walker been doing all of that. My opponent had been doing any of that. But yet they won't mean to go into a debate to promote themselves. And yet I'm attracting more people mm. than they're attracting at the debate. And I'm meeting with more people. I'm answering more questions. And then they say I'm not doing that. Well, I don't need to listen to them because they don't run my campaign. And I think that's the reason right now everybody sees it. That's the reason I'm up in the polls, because I'm working. I'm doing the work that they seem to be complaining about. If you win, it does. I mean, the polling really looks like you're, you Don't will say win. if, when I win, when I win. <laughs> the polling does look very, very good in your favor, but that means you would then face Raphael Warnock, the current Democratic senator. Would you debate him? Oh, yes. I've been saying I'm ready to debate him tomorrow. If you want to debate, I'm ready to debate him tomorrow because he has an opponent also. Do people even know that? He's done one debate. And people keep telling me about Raphael Warnock is some great debater. I've seen one debate he was in last year. I've just seen one, and and that's what's so amazing. People are not going to hold me to a different standard they hold anyone else, but yet my opponents seem to want to do that. And I asked them if they were up in the polls doing what they're supposed to do, they can come to debate me any time, but they're not. Well, I'm getting ready for Raphael Warnock because that's the guy I decided I was going to beat when I got into this race. I didn't get into this race because I felt I couldn't win it. When I got into this race, I said, I got in this race to beat Raphael Warnock. And I want my opponents to realize that. I'm not putting them down, but I know they can't beat him. I know they can't beat him, and people are seeing that through the fundraising. They're seeing that through the polling. Well, I can. And I'm going after him. And when he get ready to debate, he picked the place, he picked the time, I and mean, I'm ready. Herschel Walker, thank you so much for your time. Hey, thank you, now, and God bless you guys. This is Jimmy Fallon with your Fox News commentary coming up. What Russia is doing to Ukraine has two of its neighbors ready to join NATO. This is an historic moment which we must seize. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg after Finland and Sweden applied to become members of the military alliance. Today at the White House... The president will welcome the president of Finland and the prime minister of Sweden to the White House to coordinate on the path forward. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. All 30 NATO nations have to approve this expansion. Finland's Prime Minister Sanna Marin says... Our most important uh, uh, job in NATO is to defend our own country, our own region. Sweden's ambassador to the U.S. says they have to act. We realize that the security arrangements that we have had and that we have built up for so long... They are not enough anymore. Karen Olaf's daughter tells Fox. We have seen a threat uh, level coming out of Moscow uh, since these discussions have started. And we know that the Russians for a long time has been against an expansion of NATO. It's a big change from the way things have been. It's really a seismic shift in uh, European security brought about by Vladimir Putin's barbaric invasion of Ukraine. Dan Hoffman is a retired CIA senior clandestine services officer, now a Fox News contributor. These countries, Finland and Sweden, they're both incredibly uh, stubbornly independent. I I speak Finnish. I've been in Finland. uh, But this really concerned them. Uh, And it shows the kind of threat Russia is and the fact that Vladimir Putin wants, I think, permanently just to swing Russia to Asia. There's always been this dichotomy in Russia over whether it's European country or an Asian country and, and 
Putin wants to be aligned with his fellow dictator, Xi Jinping, but for economic reasons, Russia's better off being aligned with the West. That's the tension. Okay, and, and now obviously Finland has a long border with Russia. So yes, what? 830 miles of border. Yeah, and so what? why would Finland worry that Russia would invade them? Why, why, why is it so important to be a NATO member? Yeah, so I mean, the Finns would tell you that they can defend themselves without us. You know, they've got... Uh, pretty sizable conscript army. They've got sophisticated Navy and Air Force and intelligence. But they see, you know, the potential for Vladimir Putin to attack a neighbor and they want that insurance policy. It's very hard to predict, you know, how things might go in Russia. Things could get worse, not better. What, what about Sweden? The Swedes, you know, have a smaller army, only roughly 50,000, but similar concerns over over potential threat from Russia. And, you know, they would bring with them the very strategically valuable island, Gotland, in the Baltic Sea. That that would really be uh, a, a critical element for, for NATO. Look, I think these countries have watched both Finland and Sweden over the past 20 years, this growth of risk and danger from Russia. Russia's invasion of Georgia, their cyber attack on Estonia in 2007, uh, the deployment of Russian troops to to assist uh, Syria's brutal dictator Bashar al-Assad and, and his use of chemical weapons, and then the attack on Ukraine. And, you know, where does it stop? This just links them further with, with fellow NATO members. By the way, this is good for the United States because we share uh, common interests with, with those two countries. So let's hear the Russian reaction to Finland and Sweden getting ready to join NATO. The other day, President Vladimir Putin said, There is not an immediate threat to Russia with the inclusion of those countries, but the expansion of military infrastructure over the territory will obviously call for our response. Exactly what that response might be, he did not say. Remember, the, try to see the world through Vladimir Putin's twisted KGB eyes here. He knows he can't do anything about Finland and Sweden joining NATO. So, if he says he doesn't like it, no one really cares. They're going to join NATO anyways. And so even though he said he didn't want other members, uh, others joining NATO, uh, and that was ostensibly his reason for invading Ukraine, when in fact it wasn't. You know, the odd part is Ukraine had no chance of joining NATO in the near term because there's no way they would have received unanimous consent among NATO members. So Vladimir Putin understands that he needs to make it appear like those two countries, Finland, Sweden, don't pose a threat because he doesn't want more uh, military deployments to those countries. And so he understands he's in a weaker position and best best try to dial down the tension. That's what he's doing. Uh, but, you know, this is, again, reflection of Vladimir Putin's weakness. He's got a hollow force fighting in Ukraine right now. Uh, and, and that war, the Ukraine war, has exposed Russia's uh, corrupt military and just overall ineffective intelligence uh, and, and military preparedness and execution. You mentioned unanimous consent. Obviously, the U.S. is going to vote for the Sweden and Finland expansion. Turkey may not. The Turkish president is showing reservations to this. What's Turkey's problem with those two countries joining? And why is Turkey even in NATO? Well, Turkey's got an important role in NATO, and they've been very important in supporting Ukraine. Uh, they've got real interest in the in the Black Sea and uh, they are a long-term, you know, strategic adversary and rival of Russia's. Uh, and it's been that way since they became NATO members. Uh, but I think in this case, they, don't, they have less of a problem with Finland and Sweden joining NATO. But they're more interested in trying to extract something out of their yes vote. 
they want uh, fighter aircraft from the United States. They were they've expressed some concern about uh, opposition, Turkish opposition figures residing in Nordic states. They're just using this as an opportunity, perhaps, to uh, benefit somehow, you know, from from providing their support for what will be an otherwise unanimous, I think, uh, consent from the other members. On Wednesday in Ukraine, President Vladimir Zelensky's call for justice last month to deal with Russian war crimes was finally answered. Anyone who has given criminal orders and carried out them by killing our people will be brought before the tribunal. A 21-year-old Russian soldier pleaded guilty in Kiev to killing a Ukrainian civilian, shooting the 62-year-old man in the head through a car window. Ukraine's top prosecutor says they are readying 40 more war crimes cases. It is important. I mean, who could have imagined that when Russia launched their invasion? No. And, you know, the, Everybody predicted it'd be fast. Be a, the Kiev could fall in a week. Or days. I mean, that's another story. And, and look, we the Russians, that's a Russian intelligence failure, but it's ours, too, just to digress for a moment. Remember that, that we offered, the seminal moment was we offered President Zelensky a flight out, evacuation. Right. And he said... I don't need that. You know, I need ammunition. I don't need a flight. I, I need ammunition. You know, the fight is here. Yeah, and everyone thought he people were, he's crazy. Why wouldn't he go? He's going to be assassinated. He's going to be a captured, kidnapped in a, in a day. Right. So we assessed that, that Russia would take Kiev in a couple of days, topple Zelensky's, Zelensky government, uh, that Vladimir Putin's puppet regime would celebrate Victory Day uh, in Kiev on May 9. None of that happened. Uh, but that's why we offered him the aircraft flight out, because our intelligence assessment was just that, that we would be supporting Ukraine's insurgency and mounting sanctions against Russia. Had had Zelensky taken that ride out, I can't emphasize enough, that would have been a horrific intelligence failure on our part. He saved us from that failure. Um, and he saved us from what would have been extraordinarily negative ramifications, obviously, for Ukraine's future, but for Europe's security as well. But we've got to get this right, our intelligence collection and analysis, uh, not just on Ukraine and Europe and Russia, but also, you know, when it comes to China and Taiwan. We don't want to, you know, we don't want intelligence to lead us down the wrong path. And now, look, we get things right the greatest majority of the time. It's those rare instances when we don't uh, that, you know, there could be a real calamity. I'm sure the Congress will be will be very well focused on this one. And, uh, and 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 track it very closely with their with their oversight. All right, let's talk about the other leadership, Vladimir Putin. You've talked about him already. Twisted mind. There is this narrative that's coming out of Russia now that uh, he acted on bad intelligence. That he was given false information about the situation in Ukraine and about the Russian military prowess. And and do you believe that narrative? Well. Russia has a. You got to be careful not to mirror image here because they just have a different system. Okay. Nobody's going to tell Vladimir Putin what he needs to know when it's not what he wants to hear. I mean, that's a hallmark of what we did at the CIA. And I can tell you from my own experience, sometimes a director CIA uh, like John Brennan uh, might not like it when I would tell him what he needed to know, but didn't want to hear. But it didn't mean I was being going to be sent to the gulag, you know, or some Siberian uh, right. death camp. Or right, 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 right. Like that's the fate that awaits these guys. And so Vladimir Putin will make that out to be uh, will, you know, a scapegoat. He's already arrested uh, the FSB, that's his internal security police, uh, Fifth Service Department Chief Sergei Beseda, who was responsible for intelligence collection in Ukraine and the rest of the former Soviet Union. 
and made him a scapegoat and then turned over intelligence collection to the GRU, Russia's military intelligence. But sure, a failure of intelligence collection for Russia, for sure, but an absolute unwillingness to tell Vladimir Putin anything close to the truth. Putin already knows everything he needs to know because he's the guy in charge and you better not cross him. And, you know, sadly, I mean, that's just the way that that they work. And uh, and, and Putin is, is kind of, you know, he's sown the seeds of, of his own failure there in Ukraine. Now, we've heard rumors, you, you, you know, the same things, and it's been going around for a while, that Putin may be sick, that he's not healthy, that something's wrong with him. We heard that with uh, Kim Jong-un in North Korea, you know, for a couple of years ago. What's the deal with that? It is, I can tell you, the subject of great interest uh, in our intelligence community, especially among leadership analysts. There are medical professionals taking a hard look at Vladimir Putin every time he appears in public. Uh, he was meeting with his defense minister, Shoigu, a couple of weeks back and, and just sitting in his typical Vladimir Putin kind of pose there, uh, but gripping a table really tightly. Um, there has been reporting about him suffering from back issues uh, and reportedly having some operations resulting from his training in judo. Uh, there's lots of rumors that he's got cancer or Parkinson's. At this point, nothing confirmed, but there's a lot out there. And uh, But again, nothing 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 confirmed yet but the one thing i'm watching for and i i watch russian kind of uh, state you know orwellian tv every day and and their kremlin propaganda uh anchors on tv are, are now being a little more open about how much russia is failing in their war against ukraine and how the advantage is on the side of of the ones who are defending their homeland it's it's kind of fascinating to watch uh that particular sea change in the way Russia is portraying the war. So I think Putin is under far more political pressure at this point from his own insiders who realize that he's cratered their economy and cost them reportedly 20,000 in soldiers' deaths. And for what? He's got nothing more than he would have had if he had simply tried to subdue Ukraine without firing a shot. And Russia's in a war of attrition now. And, And it's very hard for them to extricate themselves from that under Putin's leadership. Dan Hoffman, Fox News contributor, retired CIA senior, clandestine services officer. Great to have you on, as always. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Jimmy Fallon. What's on your mind? So Amber Heard and Johnny Depp continue to battle in court. And I have to say, if the goal of this trial was to make the rest of us feel better about our own relationships, these two are doing a phenomenal job. Aside from that, it's completely ridiculous, especially when you consider this trial has lasted longer than their marriage. And while Americans will recover from the ridiculousness of hearing about Johnny getting day drunk all the time and Amber allegedly going potty on his bed one time, it's unlikely that either actor's career will recover because they both look nuts. By the time this is over, Johnny Depp will be lucky to be starring in a low-budget spinoff called Porch Pirates of the Caribbean, where he's just stealing Amazon packages off people's stoops. Amber might get hired, but probably to teach an acting class because she seems to be full of it half the time. As for the judge, he should probably punish the loser by making them watch this entire trial again so they can suffer as much as we did. Because in the end, even the winner of this trial will still be a loser. I'm Jimmy Fallon. 
You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.